0: Welcome to the Voice of Retail. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, this podcast is brought to you in conjunction with Retail Council of Canada. The RCC Distinguished Canadian Retailer of the Year recognizes a retail leader who has led their company to outstanding business success and innovation and consistently demonstrated community, commitment, and support. The recipient is seen as a role model because of their exceptional leadership within the corporation, Canada's retail industry, and the community through personal and corporate philanthropic activities. In this episode, I'm thrilled to welcome back to the podcast Paul Wood, President and CEO Giant Tiger, the 2022 Distinguished Canadian Retailer of the Year winner. Let's listen in now. Paul, welcome to the Voice of Retail podcast. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm doing very well, Michael. Thank you for having me back. Glad to join you.
0: Well, yes, exactly. I should say this is your second time. The last time we were in person, where was it? In New York at the NRF show. That seems a little while ago we've chatted in between but it's great to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much. Great to be back with you. Congratulations, RCC Distinguished Retailer of the Year award. Very 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 excellent. Congratulations. No, yeah, well, thank you very much, Michael.
1: It's uh, certainly a an honor to be recognized by the uh, the Retail Council and the uh, the industry in general in Canada, but absolutely a testament to the uh the strength and success driven by the team that I'm mm. privileged to lead on a daily basis so uh certainly thanks to thanks to them
0: yeah well it's a it's a long great history of uh of great leaders from all sorts of businesses so um, once again congratulations on that and we'll be able to I'll be able to fet you so to speak in person on uh May 31st uh in Toronto at the awards so once again congratulations all right. So we jumped right in. Let's uh, let's uh, talk for the folks who may not um, know of you or know enough about you. Give us a little bit of background about yourself and, and what you do for a living.
1: Sure. Uh, so I am currently president and CEO of Giant Tiger. I've been uh, working at Giant Tiger now for uh, 19 years. Uh, time flies, certainly. My career began in uh, the financial accounting world. I completed my Bachelor of Commerce at Carleton and uh, and and articled uh, and worked at uh, one of the, the firms here in uh, in Ottawa and Giant Tiger was a client of the firm at the time and so not an atypical path for someone uh, associated with a client account to be uh, asked by the client eventually to come and, and join their team and for me uh, while I enjoyed the time and the foundation in the public accounting world uh, and the, the, the learnings that I was able to gain there, uh, it wasn't something uh, that I wanted to pursue for the rest of my working career. And so the opportunity to get into industry and to be involved in supporting and running and, and leading the, the strategy of a, a business eventually uh, was something I certainly wanted to pursue. And I'm thankful that the opportunity has uh, materialized with, uh, with Giant Tiger I've been familiar with the was familiar with the brand for a lot of years grew up in small town Ontario in Smith Falls and there was a giant tiger there that uh, was part of the uh, weekly shopping routine Mm -hmm. and so but didn't uh, have any inkling in those days that I'd end up uh, in the position I'm in at at this point but uh, it's been quite a ride and uh, certainly see lots of forward opportunity for the uh, the company and the brand in this uh, exciting world of retail that's uh, ever-changing and changing at a increasingly rapid pace
0: yeah it's a lot of change in 19 years if we think about the retail landscape and even if you think about the mass merchant landscape uh, you know so much change brands come and go but giant tiger has been what is it now 61 years am i got have i got that right
1: that's correct 61 years we just celebrated our 61st uh, anniversary at the beginning of may Mm. and uh, absolutely been a, a journey, continues to be a journey of uh, growing up really for Giant mm-hmm. Tiger from uh, that humble beginnings of the initial store on George Street in the Byward yeah. Market in Ottawa, that location yeah. is still uh, still there, that's store number one uh, and uh, we've grown out over time from, from there I think when I first began working uh, as an external auditor to the the, um, uh, the the company, the, there were about 87 stores in the mix back in the, because that would have been late 90s. Uh, when I joined uh, Giant Tiger in 2003, we were around 113 stores. Uh, and uh, we are now at 264 and continuing to, to grow that number. So some pretty... Uh, substantial growth over that uh, 20 year period but a lot of change uh, and development and improvement as well both in, in just the uh, the quality of merchandise the uh, the breadth of our offering uh, but all while maintaining the uh, price leadership position the everyday low prices and uh, uh, really sticking to our values of staying com- you know connected to our community and 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 serving our our customers in in the best way possible doing what's right for them and keeping things uh, simple making it easy and fun for them to shop uh, smart and to save smart every day when they shop with giant tiger
0: well i sure can testify to the brand's heritage as as you know i grew up in ottawa i'm a carlton alumni so we'll, we'll have to tag carlton and for this interview and uh, yeah. uh i know number one very well but uh so yeah giant tiger i grew up with the brand so it's been fun to watch uh, all the various people in fact i went to school with someone who at one point uh, i think was was the ceo there jeff york Um so lo- lots of fun different connections now we've touched on it a little bit but for those who may not be familiar with the scope and the scale of the business you've talked about how many stores there are it, it, it's a it's a is it purely at this point franchise, or is there a mix of franchise and uh, and corporate owned stores? And uh, talk about that for a little bit.
1: We like to say, or I like to say, if we stopped growing and people stopped growing older and retiring, eventually we would be fully uh, franchised. And we're, our franchise system is key to our success. We believe certainly so contributes to some of what makes us uh, different. But at the same time, uh, the model is a little bit uh, atypical in that uh, we don't market the franchises for sale on the open market. We're not looking for uh, financial investment uh, and people to buy franchises where we would have that initial transaction and kind of let things go off and and, uh, be run according to a manual and in kind of separation. It's more of a Certainly more of a business partnership that we enter into with uh, capable retailers, capable merchants that uh, demonstrate their ability to operate the Giant Tiger system, to uh, lead in their communities, and we'll grant them a franchise for a very low nominal financial transaction, and they build their equity in over time. And um, so we do have certainly a mix of corporate-owned stores and franchise-owned stores in our Mix, but that's simply a function of the life cycle and the churn of uh, a retail business we open a store corporately with a goal of uh, converting that to be uh, franchise owned with a, a partner that we can work with uh, well into the future and our you know desire is they stay in that location or move to another location of their choice uh, and have a, a long prosperous career in that uh, in that relationship with us and at the end of the day we buy it back and start the cycle over again, uh, mm-hmm. own it a couple of years as a corporate while someone gets their sea legs, so to speak, and then uh, roll it on out again. So the, the mix of stores is more a function of just the life cycle and where a store is at in its, in its history and where its leader is at in, in their career. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, given our growth and given that churn, there's always a mixture, but uh, the way the stores operate, the way we support and operate uh, and work with the stores is consistent irrespective of uh, who technically owns it at any given point in time
0: right and and not to get too far into the weeds in this because i'm sure some people are listening to this are thinking man this could be a great opportunity at the at the end of your tenure so to speak as a franchisee you 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 can't sell that on that goes back to corporate right when you decide that you've you've had a great career and it's time to to wind it up that that goes back to you so to speak at corporate right it's not something that they can put on the market so just to be you know 100 clear right
1: yeah they i mean they they sell it back and it gets Mm -hmm. uh it gets purchased but we have uh first right of refusal on that buyback and so we always exercise our right to buy our stores back and to uh roll them on to the next the next person and uh, that way we continue to uh grow and and uh, manage the the brand and the direction and uh keep uh, everyone aligned really to the uh, the values and the uh, approach we take to to the business.
0: Let's get into uh, modern retail. I mean, we've just been through the COVID year. You and I have had the chance to speak a couple of times, at least during the COVID year, and different things, uh, including with our friend uh, Dave Poirier and all kinds of different things. Let's talk about the Giant Tiger playbook for the situation we're in now. We're in a Post-ish COVID world, supply chain disruptions. The global supply chain disruptions continue; they flare up. We've got uh, disruptions in Europe. We have got war in Europe. We've got price inflation. What's the? How are you adjusting your mix in terms of how and where you source? Are you are you rethinking anything around supply chain in terms of lead times or in terms of boy maybe we should ask the vendors? Or, and you have private labor yourself. Maybe more continental strategies. How are you thinking about that at head office around what the world is today and what the world might be for the foreseeable future?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, It's certainly a regular topic of conversation, all things supply chain, and really has been for the last two years. Our team has done a fantastic job of adapting and adjusting and and rolling with the punches, so to speak, to uh, do their utmost to ensure that uh, the flow of products of great everyday needs for our customers continue to uh, make their way into our stores. And, and uh, as you mentioned, there's been no uh, no shortage of uh, disruptions from the uh, initial uh, uh, logjam of uh, containers and container ships coming in from overseas and the delays of those caused to uh that finally beginning to open a bit and then uh, we had the significant floods in bc kind of disrupting a significant portion of road and rail infrastructure coming through canada uh you know in more recent times certainly the uh the significant increase in the price of fuel the uh rolling uh lockdowns uh in china in certain cities and ports that have blocked things so For us, uh, change has been the constant, and and, uh, agility has been the requirement and continues to be, and we don't see that lightening up uh, in any way. Absolutely, we have had to lengthen our uh, expected lead times, and certainly everything feeds off of when we'd like product in the store for the customer, particularly seasonal items. And so that creates churn and compression for our merchants, uh, doubling up on their uh, their efforts to accelerate the timing of their uh, buying calendar and the analysis of their assortment and as they uh, go out and find those great items. so uh, it has and continued will to have uh, will continue to have an impact on our on our business for the foreseeable future. and our buyers do uh, consistently look for and uh, alternative sources and, and really, you know, with a goal of, uh, of finding the best product, providing the best value for our customer mm-hmm. on our, our home products, our fashion goods uh, and with grocery and within those different categories of our business, the pressures are different. The sources of supply are already different. And uh, some are, are very centralized just from a worldwide production capacity perspective, uh, that there are commodities that are only produced uh, overseas in any uh, significant quantity. And so we, we don't have ready options for some things. Uh, we certainly pursue other avenues for those things that we can. Certain uh, areas of the business certainly are more broadly <clears throat> distributed across the world. Whether it's uh, into other areas of Southeast Asia, whether it's uh, moving into uh, into Africa, into South America, etc. So, Mexico. Are you hearing? Are you hearing are, are the vendors Sorry?
0: talking about Mexico and other places like that? Like when you when you sit down with the vendors and they uh, certainly it's not an isolated problem for them they're trying to figure it out as well are you are you hearing more discussion about changes like that
1: yeah absolutely it's it's something that that uh, i think uh, many across the the world and the industry continue to explore and uh, the the challenge is the ability to kind of light it up overnight is not Mm -hmm. easy and uh, it's not something that's going to <clears throat> switch on a on a dime i don't believe or turn on a dime but uh i do believe it's it's something that that uh, everyone is really paying more attention to you you just see the you mentioned the uh, the war in uh, in ukraine and and the the impact there the, the world is so interconnected the consumer mm-hmm. is so uh, aware that even from a a consumer perspective on where products are sourced when some of these geopolitical things uh, rear up or or raise their yeah. uh, raise their head. Uh, that has implication on what customers are comfortable buying. They pay attention to where things are sourced, and so you know that does become definitely a consideration just for how you best insulate your your business to some of those risks or potential risks uh, further out down the road. So. Absolutely a a area of uh, constant uh, discussion and exploration. Uh, Unfortunately, not one with many easy solutions, but I
0: think the world of immediate I think the world of immediate solutions is kind of past us. And I'm talking to leaders like yourself about, okay, what is what does it look like in five years? Right. Is there a path, you know, to get past, you know, get past the, you know, today it's baby formula. Tomorrow it will be something else. Right. But in general, you know, what what is that path? look like yeah yeah I mean let's let's talk about e-commerce so um industry took a bit of note when you hired uh, Simon Rodrigue who I who I know well from uh, different you know he's been in different organizations very large scale and and uh I was I had a little Chuckle to myself, he did a post on, uh, on LinkedIn. He's looking for like, what is it, 125 people? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not quite <laughs> that many, but yes, a few. He's hiring. I mean, and you're hiring. So let's talk about e-commerce and the role. It's, it's not new to Giant Tiger e-commerce, but what's your, what's your vision and what's your perspective on, uh, on e-commerce and a value-based retailer like yourself and the system you're in with franchisees? That's it's an added layer of complication. But how are you now thinking about the role of e-commerce in Giant Tiger?
1: Yeah, e- e-commerce for uh, for us is uh, just part of what retail is and what retail needs to be for uh, today and tomorrow for our customer. And uh, you've know, you mentioned we've been involved in e-commerce for several years, a number of years, mm-hmm. uh, but really haven't um, fully executed on uh, the ability to have it uh, take hold and really become that integral part of our overall operation. And and that's, uh, you know, Simon's mandate is to really uh, take that forward. We were pleased to be able to have him join our uh, team with his experience in that area and has uh, certainly uh, off to a a great start there. And, you know, we just had some some things we had to uh, sort out and and improve and and correct on our operational side, uh, but as well really you know, clarify and, and simplify the, uh, the the user interface with our customer, and so we see it as you know just opportunity lost today, where uh, customers are buying online and not choosing or exploring Giant Tiger for items they uh, perhaps used to buy uh, in our in our stores, and and so we we'd like to get our quote-unquote, fair share of that uh, business, but it it is still in support of our overall retail business, and we can't lose sight of the fact that even, you know, even achieving industry average or above average uh, percentages of of." customer spend on on e-commerce, it still pales in comparison to the uh, the total volume achieved through the bricks-and-mortar network. And so it has yeah, to be yeah, complementary, uh, supplementary, uh, but it also, to us, opens the, the door for customers who are familiar with the brand, uh, but perhaps we have yet to find the right uh, bricks-and-mortar location in a neighborhood near them. And so we uh, are, are really focusing on ensuring that our online Uh, presence at GiantTiger.com really replicates uh, the store and the values of Giant Tiger, the community connections and and all of those things. So we're we're working on some uh, exciting developments there to really um, cement the consistency of uh, the Giant Tiger experience into an online world and then have that uh, knit together with our uh, our store network and, uh, and be supported uh, across the board. And, and, you know, you, you raised the comment about the franchise uh, system and and certainly we've uh, we navigate that in a way that uh, this will support and work uh, with them as part of the overall giant tiger uh, offering to our customers. Uh, it will be another vehicle through which uh, we can, uh, capture new customers and bring them into the brand, and and certainly steer them into our bricks and mortar stores as well.
0: So during the COVID era, you uh, you were building a new head office. I think the plans were already set before COVID hit. You, you no doubt kind of adjusted those plans. So I just want to talk about hybrid work because it you know located in Ottawa, pros and cons. One of the the downsides, I guess, you could say, is is the access to the labor pool is somewhat smaller. Talk about how you're rolling out um, the new office building, what it looks like today, and and what your thinking is on on the modern workplace.
1: Yeah, this certainly is uh, top of mind for many folks as we try to navigate this post-COVID environment. Uh, And yes, we're pleased to have uh, been able to Get our our new office uh, construction completed during COVID. Actually, the the construction teams did a great job and continued to work uh, throughout. Uh, and so our employees have a, a wonderful new space to come back to as they uh, begin to explore what coming back to the office looks like. Uh, but at the same time, the the pandemic forced us uh, to or created the opportunity for us to reevaluate uh, just how we work and how our teams work and um, you know we were able to keep things rolling uh, in an online world and uh, Mm -hmm. converting very quickly to a work from home environment for most of the support office staff and our business is uh, a mixture obviously the frontline uh, staff and and, uh, employees in stores team members in stores and in the distribution centers uh, were in those roles in those locations all throughout and we you know, took all the precautions necessary. On the office side, uh, it's been, you know, again, kind of function-based. There's been need for merchants dealing with uh, supplies and the marketing team with uh, photography and sample, uh, using samples to produce the, uh, the copy and the, uh, the, the ads and, and the like. And so there, there's been a mixture throughout, um, but now as things settle out and, and uh, kind of the work-from-home mandates have been lifted, Uh, we migrate into what we're calling work your way uh, allowing more of a team by team function by function uh, ability to find the uh, the right mix of that person-to-person collaboration face-to-face collaboration Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the flexibility to support our team members and uh, and their needs and uh, and requirements on on their own side And, and so I think it's we are going to end up in and pursue a hybrid uh, model. We're seeing numbers of folks coming back into the the office, and uh, I think what gets reignited very quickly in those scenarios is the energy and the uh, opportunities of being around other folks and working with uh, other team members. And where it's not a case of a, a Zoom meeting, the agenda is finished, and that one shuts off, and the next one lights up. All right. Uh, those more informal. Connections and the chats about ideas uh, get fostered, and and the energy that is generated from that amongst the, the team is is palpable. It's noticeable, and so we're excited for that. Uh, we're excited for them coming back into the the office. Uh, but this this uh, you mentioned Ottawa as a location. The uh, the onset of our more hybrid approach has actually broadened the labor pool for us uh, as we've been. Uh, able to uh hire attract uh retain folks from outside the Ottawa area that will join us and work and make their way here when they need to be here and are able to be uh, in a different location for uh other days when they're they're working uh remotely and so that's uh, actually been a, a an added bonus for us through this because before there was always that challenge of uh, folks with uh, partners that are working in one of the other larger cities. Ottawa is certainly a, a great city to live in, but yeah. uh, population-wise we're still relatively small. And, uh, you know, that has actually opened opened things up for us. So we're excited by the prospect that brings. And uh, it, it does force a different um, a different management style on uh, our people leaders and, and require them to really... Uh, work with their their teams and find uh, find the right balance that uh, that works. So we're, we're it, continuing it feels, to explore that, and I think it'll work its way out over time.
0: Well, it feels to me one of the one of the challenges of our time in terms of business and work is how to readjust this pretty tectonic change between everyone in the office. It's not exactly you knew but not at the scope right and and i guess that you know you've got a very particular culture at giant tiger so i guess that must be foremost in your mind around how do we maintain that culture you talked about you know the kind of great interactions between people but is is it your perspective perhaps that you know the 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 key is culture and adhesion to the brand and then how do we make sure whether it's in the office or a third place that that culture you know informs uh, you know all those decisions and and the support of all the franchisees and all the operators out in the field, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, we have to be, uh, even clearer and more intentional as mm-hmm. we onboard folks and bring them into the mix to be sure that we are communicating those key attributes and, and values that, that, uh, you know, were established way back in the, in the beginning when, yeah. when Mr. Reed began the, uh, the company and it really, um, uh, uh, endured and and need to continue to endure and be fostered as we go forward. and really unpacking the difference between how things uh, are actually done and and more adhering to doing things in the in the right way and keeping them simple and and being proudly frugal. and and those yep. uh, kind of core foundational elements, you know, become part of of everything we we do and everything we talk about and and kind of reinforcing that. And then you'd be intentional about ways to continue to foster the engagement and the connection, whether that's, you know, periodic scheduled uh, in-person get-togethers or town halls or meetings within the groups or uh, we've, you know, we've uh, done um, webcasts with our stores. We actually probably communicated directly with our stores more regularly over the last two years than we would have in normal cadence. There would have been more face-to-face random visits, if you will, prior to COVID, but collective regular communication and updates. And so you have to find those different ways to deliver the message and, uh, and build that, uh, that connection in a, in a different world. But the the, the connection remains key to Mm -hmm. really fostering the, uh, the alignment, the adhesion, and right the uh, camaraderie across the
0: the company. Last couple of questions. Let's talk about uh, what's next. Let's talk about growth first of all. You've already indicated uh, that you know an opportunity. For example, in e-commerce, is to reach consumers who may not have access to a physical store. Maybe like you know, I can think of a downtown Toronto, for example, where there's vast amounts of people with with uh, less, so to speak, access. Is that that's one opportunity? Is is store growth? What are other opportunities? Are you seeing in terms of category growth, or you know, what's the playbook, so to speak, to uh, to continue to grow the business uh, organically or, or otherwise?
1: That's the uh, the proverbial million dollar question for sure. Um, we it's kind of an all of the above, uh, Michael. We've spent a good part of the last couple of years uh, shoring up some of the foundational components of the business, really uh, reigniting some of the disciplines and uh, and drive that. That need to be always on and make sure that they were in the kind of the, the condition they need to be to support our forward growth. Uh, organic growth with, you know, more sites and more locations kind of as they are is certainly still on the radar. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the availability of of uh, real estate and, and sites that we would typically go into is probably not as broad as it had been over the last number of years. So Mm-hmm. Uh, but we still pursue that uh, opportunities within the four walls, within the merchandising areas, the mm-hmm. category for category growth and uh, agility across categories uh, there. I think we still see lots of opportunity within that in addition to just physical location and then couple that with the the digital expansion and the growth on the, the right. e-com side. Uh, and then beyond that, it's, it's, uh, you know, that, that's the, the next frontier we continue to explore is are there other, you know, other opportunities for for growth? We still see certainly plenty of white space in Canada itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we'll we're working on uh, a few ideas, a few options on really how to continue to tap into um, the Canadian consumer and get them, you know, more of them visiting us more often and spending more money. It sounds simple and it sounds kind of cliche, but we do see opportunity for that to continue to happen. And uh, teams are working on, uh, you know, fine tuning our our strategies uh, and our approaches to, to be able to go ahead and and, uh, achieve that.
0: Well, over 61 years, you've, the business has seen a lot of different types of economic cycles and you've, you know, done well in all of them. We may be heading into one, Where uh, value-based retail has a moment, uh, another moment. But, you know, as I said, you've operated uh, the business in all kinds of different economic situations. There's always a market for well-priced, great value product, right? So that doesn't, uh, that doesn't vary. Last question for you. Uh, Advice to the retailers listening with all your experience and what you've seen and how you're thinking about it. Two, I'm going to frame it in a two starts and one stop. Two things they should start doing and one thing they should stop doing and the stop is kind of like well we used to do this and it's not working anymore and that could be you know it could be uh you know uh, social media that could be influencers or whatever on either side of those start or stops well how do you think about uh, two things retailers should start doing and maybe one thing they should reconsider doing
1: thanks michael that's a great uh, great question uh i'll start with the kind of the two starts and you know, again, I don't claim these to be innovative in any way or, or necessarily things that uh, aren't already being done. But uh, certainly over the last couple of years, the, the, uh, the importance of, of both of these, uh, I think, has been uh, been elevated. Uh, the first one would be the, uh, the, the connection to the, uh, the customer uh, and really staying abreast of their uh, needs and wants. They are changing, they're evolving you know, it, it's our. They don't really care how we have to go about doing something, but they're looking for that great service and those great products and great value every day. And so, you know, our if it was easy. Everybody'd be doing it, and it it'd be uh, uh, it'd be uh, right, right, a, an easy thing for everyone to to do. And it's it's not on the delivery side, but um, you know, winning is only associated with uh, with getting that uh, customer's heart and mind and uh, and making that uh, that connection. Uh, the, the second thing that uh, i think really uh, came to bear over the uh over the last uh, little while uh, and continues to be a, a core tenant of what we do and that's the kind of the human side of of things the connection into the communities into the uh the areas of support there's so much need uh, across the the country in so many different ways it's really finding that niche and that ability and the the, the ways in which you can contribute and support uh, the communities in which we operate, the communities that produce our employees, produce our customers. Uh, and for Giant Tiger, the community connection and the uh, the uh, involvement and support there at a grassroots level across the country has been uh, critical and to me something that we will uh, maintain and continue. And I, I just see the, uh, the, the need is not getting smaller by any means. Right. And so that would be uh, another area that I would... Uh, encourage continued focus and uh, and emphasis on uh, on the stop doing part uh, one of the, uh, the the team could could tell you very well that one of the things that uh, probably is one of my my biggest pet peeves is where uh, the response to uh, the response to potential innovation or question or challenges well that's not the way we've always done it. And I think striking those words from our language uh, is absolutely necessary to be able to continue to innovate and to drive success and solutions forward, both for the customer, for our teams, uh, for our stakeholders. You know, we have to be uh, clear on, uh, as I've said, clear on our, our values, clear on our foundational uh, components of our uh, our respective strategies, but. Uh, we do have to be open to ways to, to continue to innovate and to uh, to modernize our, our business and to uh, take advantage of ways to improve it. And uh, So that would be my, my stop doing.
0: Well, it's fantastic advice from uh, an experienced retailer within a, an organization that's uh, stood the test of time, and whether you're just a startup or whether you're in the same situation, I think it's great advice. Paul, thanks so much for joining me once again on the voice of retail once again thanks for becoming rcc's 2022 distinguished canadian retailer of the year winner for i know you said be on on your skills and on behalf of the team it's a, it's a great achievement so congratulations and thanks for joining me on the voice of retail podcast it was great to catch up and look forward to seeing you in person very soon and and continuing our dialogue
1: great, Michael. Thank you so much for having me. And I I really look forward to connecting uh, with you and seeing you in person later this month uh, as well. Thanks again for having me today.
0: Thanks for tuning into this special episode of The Voice of Retail. If you haven't already, be sure and click and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so new episodes will land automatically twice a week. And check out my other retail industry media properties, The Remarkable Retail Podcast, Conversations with Commerce Next Podcast, and The Food Professor Podcast with Dr. Sylvain Charlebois. Last but not least... If you're into barbecue, check out my all-new YouTube barbecue show, Last Request Barbecue, with new episodes each and every week. I'm your host, Michael LeBlanc, president of Emmy LeBlanc Company and Maven Media. And if you're looking for more content or want to chat, follow me on LinkedIn or visit my website at emileblanc.co. Have a safe week, everyone.